Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today, I'm personally speaking, I'll be joined by singer and songwriter Caleb Collins, who has released a new Christmas album called Christmas Around the Keys. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and singer-songwriter Caleb Collins joins me now. Caleb is a native of Twin Falls, Idaho. He took piano lessons as a five-year-old, wrote his first song when he was 12, and became full-time music director at his church in Idaho at the age of 19. Gospel singer Jamie Theaton was the first artist to record a song by Caleb. She's been a guest on our show. Caleb worked with the six-time Grammy Award-winning Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, directing and leading over 10,000 people in worship weekly, and he sang with their choir at the presidential inauguration in 2013. Caleb just released his sixth album, his second Christmas album, titled Christmas Around the Keys. He's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, and the values that most matter to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the super talented singer and songwriter, Caleb Collins. Before we go to our interview with Caleb, though, let's listen to Silent Night from his new Christmas album, Christmas Around the Keys.
here with Caleb Collins. Delighted to be talking about his new CD, uh, which is Christmas Around the Keys. But first, Caleb Collins, let's go way, way back. Who began your interest in music? Well, my interest started when I was a kid. I probably started playing piano. We had a piano in our house. And so um, I found, I, I, I just started sitting down and playing stuff and just faking like I was playing. So that developed into me learning chords and me um, taking a few years of piano lessons and just trying to develop that gift. Is anybody else in the family as musical as you? Um, not as musical, but there, there's a lot of musical talent in my family. Uh, my dad sings, my mom sings, my older brother plays guitar and sings, and my younger brother plays bass and trombone. And I think that's it. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good for any family. You know, uh, you've worked a lot of your time, a lot of your career uh, with churches uh, in organized religion, different settings. But take me back to what was the introduction to faith in your family, in your community? What was that like? Well, I grew up in a minister's home. Uh, my dad wasn't the pastor of the church that I was raised in, but he was one of the helping ministers. Okay. And so, I mean, my parents were involved in everything from, you know, teaching Sunday school, being in the choir. Um, they had a bus route that they would pick up kids for Sunday school. Mm. Um, they taught classes on the off nights to juvenile delinquents. Um, wow. At a work center, my dad taught some classes. Um, they were at prayer every single morning at 6 a.m. Oh, wow. um, I mean, we were at church. Church was a huge part of my upbringing and my, uh, my growing up. And, and the music was a big part of that. And so mm -hmm. I think naturally I just kind of got drawn into the music and to how I could, you know, fit into this community and also contribute uh, musically. You know, uh, I'm always intrigued by family of origin. So your folks being that into their faith, where did they get it from? Well, um, my mom was l raised Lutheran and my dad was raised maybe Presbyterian or some mm -hmm. other denomination. And um, they had this religious experience in their 20s and um, became Pentecostal. And so that's kind of how they directed our family after that. And um, we were the only ones in our extended family who were this particular sect of Pentecostal, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it was interesting. We didn't have Christmas trees growing up because that was a pagan tradition. We didn't go to movies. Um, there was, there was just a long, long list of things you couldn't do. And, um, so, yeah, it was, it was very strict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Caleb Collins, while he comes from this very interesting Pentecostal family, uh, has worked with people in many stripes of Christianity. I guess I'm wondering, Caleb, when did you start to branch out and be open to a Christian world beyond the one you were raised in? Um, I think it happened in my teen years, you know, when teenagers naturally start questioning things and trying to buck the system and just trying to get some answers to, well, why do we do it this way? And, mm -hmm. um, and so that led me to talking to other people from other religions, other denominations. Um, I started getting involved in community theater 
which was helpful in meeting other people in, you know, different areas of our community. And uh, at this point, I think I've worked in almost every denomination, Christian <laughs> denomination that there is. Uh, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational. Mm-hmm. Um, I played in Nazarene churches. I don't think I've ever played in a Seventh-day Adventist, but... Um, yeah, I've, wow. and from, you know, that spectrum, you kind of see the similarities yeah. that everybody's kind of doing the same thing. They just have some different names that they call what they do <laughs> and they've got a few different traditions, but the things that separate them really are enough to just fill a thimble really. And there's so much more that they have in common than they right, do, right. um, differences. Uh, you know, for the folks listening to a show like this, they cannot see Caleb Collins, but if you could, he's got a beard and some extremely wonderful long hair right now. And I mention that because he has a very Christ-like look. So I, I take it back to him. What do you think the man himself would think of the fact that we've taken one man's teachings and divided it into so many different approaches? Maybe that's good. Maybe it's uh, many approaches, uh, you know, give glory to God. I don't know. But I'm just wondering, having seen all those approaches and worked with them and worked smoothly with them, what do you think he would make of our uh, various Christian denominations? You know, I think it just goes to show the greatness of God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we look around nature, just every animal has a purpose. Yeah. Every animal does a different thing. If you look underwater animals, there are some that clean the bottom. There are some that... um, they d- each one has a different purpose. And I yeah. think maybe that's the way it is with denominations and belief systems is maybe God is all of that. Maybe mm-hmm. God is, maybe the Nazarenes focus on this dynamic aspect of God, but the Baptists get it right in this area. Right, and right. none of them are completely right. And maybe each of them has about 5% of truth. Yeah. <laughs> But if you add all of that up, Mm -hmm. I think it shows the greatness and the multifaceted personality of God. Yeah. We had uh, Caleb on the show a while back, uh, Stephen Schwartz, the composer, and I'd asked him why in light of Pippin and Wicked, but why was his first musical, Godspell, uh, why would a secular Jewish man write a musical about Jesus? And he said, you don't have to be Christian to know that the world would be in much better shape if we actually lived by the teachings of a guy like Jesus. Uh, you think he got that right? Who, Jesus or Stephen Schwartz? <laughs> Both, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll say Stephen Schwartz. Yeah, I think he's totally right. Um, there's a lot of unchristlike actions that are happening in the name of Christ right now, mm-hmm. you know, and in my prayer time, sometimes I get mad at God and I'm like, Lord, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing certain people to misrepresent you and to use your, use your name in a way that exalts them and their agenda? And how do you sit back and allow this God? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think history is long. And I think when the pendulum swings this way, it will swing this way. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe we need to see 
some a bit of pravity of our situation as a culture and as a world in order to realize that that's not how it should continue. And that's, that's not how we want it to continue. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong on that at all. Um, I'm hoping you're right about the pendulum swinging in the right direction. Okay, let's let's talk a little bit about your recording career. Caleb Collins has a number of CDs, a number of albums out, but this most recent one focuses on Christmas. It's not his first Christmas album. What is unique and different about Christmas Around the Keys, Caleb? Well, my first Christmas album was very jazzy, mm-hmm. full band, orchestra, big band sound, and... Um, so I didn't want to create another one just like that. And I knew I wanted to release something this year. And I actually had reached out to an engineer friend of mine whose studio I use in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping to get there this year and do some tracking with, you know, session musicians and a band. And he didn't, he never reached back out to me. So about a month later, I reached back out to him again and he still didn't respond. <laughs> so I thought either this guy's like mad at me or I need to take this in a different direction. Uh-huh. So I, I started to think, well, what can I do right now on my own? You know, I'm, we're kind of in quarantine. We're kind of in lockdown. And what, what can I do personally that I don't need somebody else right now mm. to create? And so I thought, you know, I've got a keyboard in my living room. I could just start recording Mm -hmm. songs. And um, during the summer, I had been doing some research on some German Christmas carols and some different carols from the past, you know, French carols, German carols uh, from the last couple centuries. And so I started doing a bunch of research and found some melodies that I hadn't heard before and melodies that really kind of hit me and that I wanted to record. So that's what I did with this album. I just sat down at the piano and just recorded and recorded and recorded and did a lot of cutting and pasting and Mm -hmm. moving things around and um, changing keys. And so it was kind of a fun creative process to make this album and know that I couldn't rely on anything else other than the piano, which meant that meant that my right hand had to be playing the melody the whole time. Uh Uh-huh. And so usually as a piano player, relying on my voice, my voice is what carries the melody. So now I really had to think of my right hand as a voice, and I had to sing with my right hand. Um, But that was fun, and um, I tried to create all of these songs um, in a very peaceful way, in, in a way that would bring... Um, some calm and bring some peace and some hope into people's homes. Mm. And if, if I can get it to a point where I like it and want to listen to it over and over and over, then I think there's a chance that other people might feel the same. So I just kept, you know, repeating it over and over, making tweaks, making changes. And I finally got it to a place where I was comfortable listening to it repeatedly. And, um, it's really become a nice album that I just turn on in the background right now. And it kind of just, it creates a peaceful atmosphere in your home. Caleb Collins is talking about his album, which is Christmas around the keys, but he has also uh, put out other albums where he actually uses music that he's written, not music where he's interpreting someone else's music. I'm wondering, Caleb, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of your album dream. Uh, The inspiration, how does a song, that someone composes and sings and plays, how does it come to you? 
Many different ways. Um, it can be something that you hear somebody say in passing. You hear just a little, you know, four words, five words, and you're like, that sounds like a song. <laughs> and then you really kind of develop on that idea. You, you know, you formulate different ways of saying it, turn it into verses, you expand it. Um, a lot of the writing that I've done, I've co-written songs with people which basically you, you know, when I was living in Nashville, you would go and sit in a room with this person for two to three hours mm -hmm. and you would just really try to bang out a song in that, you know, two or three hours. Um, usually I was paired with somebody who was a lyricist. I feel like my strength is more in the music. Mm -hmm. And so when I was able to be paired with a lyricist, they kind of took my musical ideas and built upon them and, I would usually come in with either a chorus written or maybe just a hook, which is like maybe the last line of the song, the something mm -hmm. that really just sticks in your ear, sticks in your head. And then my lyricist friends would help me develop those, those ideas and turn it into a full song. So some songs happen in two or three hours. Some songs it takes months to like craft and get exactly where you want them. Caleb Collins spent uh, a good bit of time in uh, Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, which is uh, a very large choir, very well-known, very well-respected, and also very African-American. I mentioned that, Caleb, to ask you, uh, in this age, especially in 2020, when we deal with uh, issues of racial divide, how did this extremely white young man, Caleb Collins, find working with people of another race and in such a harmonious, productive a God uplifting way. You know, I've always had a drawing toward black gospel music, black gospel chords, jazz. Um, and so I think it was kind of natural, you know, as, as I started to learn chords and learn how to play in church, I always wanted to incorporate these jazz chords and these gospel chords. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself listening to more black music, listening to more, um, spirituals. Um, somebody who I grew up listening to was Mahalia Jackson. I don't know if you've oh, ever heard sure, of her. Absolutely. Sort of an Ella Fitzgerald sort of um, persona, different voices. But um, yeah, Ella Fitzgerald, Mahalia Jackson, tons of choir stuff I grew up listening to. And actually the church that I was raised in um, there was a lot of African-American influence, not only in the denomination, but also in the style of music that they chose. Um, it was a lot of hand clapping. It was very lively, upbeat music. And so that, that was just something that I, has always been a part of me. And um, I remember dreaming as a kid being like, man, I want to I direct a choir in a black church. And now it's <laughs> happened like multiple times. And... I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. You know, I've, I've been in all white churches before and it's great, but um, specifically something that I saw in, at Brooklyn Tabernacle was just people of every race, every country, all together, worshiping together. And it was beautiful and it was unifying to be able to bring all of those different faith cultures together yeah. and to see how they were all able to worship with the same music, with the same heart, with the same passion. And I think it, it was a picture of what heaven will be. 
<laughs> and if right. you and if you don't like that sort of situation, you might not like going to heaven. <laughs> so you might want to reevaluate. <laughs> <laughs> how how did they accept you? Were you widely and easily accepted by people? Here's this non-African American leading this amazing choir. Uh, he's as white as could be. He's Idaho born, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, <laughs> how, how were you accepted? Were, were you embraced easily? I was. I think anytime you go into an atmosphere with an open mind mm -hmm. and, you, um, and you show love to people and you let them know that you love them exactly where they're at, no matter who they are, no matter what they've been through, and you just kind of, you know, th there is an interesting thing that happened at Brooklyn Tabernacle. One of the soloists who was black, I remember her, you know, we would just have conversations and she said, you know, Caleb, your problem right now is, is you see me as a black woman, you don't just see me as a woman. Mm. And that really, I mean, at first it kind of like hurt my feelings because I was like, first of all, how do you know that that's what I feel? <laughs> right, right, right. And, but the more that I started digesting it, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I shouldn't see somebody's skin color. That should not be something that I even use to describe them. Mm. They're a human being. You need to look past that and, and you need to look at their soul. What is, this, what is the essence of this person behind the skin? And what is their personality? How can you connect with them and find common ground? And um, we're all just human. You know, and as a musician traveling, you get to see so many, you know, I've gotten to go to South Korea, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, all across Europe. And the more that you meet different types of people from different cultures, again, you realize how similar we really are. And, and you start to see how much we do have in common. And the stuff that separates us is intriguing. And I think it's, it's fun to try different cultures, foods, and to see their different um, traditions. But at the end of the day, we all are searching for love. We're all searching for companionship, happiness, peace in our lives, peace in our homes. And that's really what it all boils down to, finding belonging. Well, well put. Well, let's go back in uh, time for a little while. You have a great open spirit. You're open to different kinds of cultures and music and traditions. But you came out of a particular world with a particular worldview. The folks in the home that formed you, what did they think of the Caleb whose mind opened, whose heart opened, whose spiritual life opened to many other f approaches? Uh, when you come from a particular set of, I'm thinking like raised in a conservative Catholic family, I'm sure there are people in my family who don't like some of my perspectives, which might not be the ones they had growing up. Um, so how, how has your family responded to the openness that makes you the man you are today? I don't think they get it because they are stuck in a bubble. Mm. Um, and I think when I was there, I realized that that's not how I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had to get out of that bubble because, first of all, I didn't fit into the cookie cutter. And I think I've been in many situations where, you know, religious leaders have, have tried me to try to put me into their cookie cutter and to, you know, control me and to <laughs> manipulate me and, and make me into their brand. And it just doesn't work. And they end up mm -hmm. getting frustrated. Um, I, 
I think when, when you've traveled and when you've seen as much as I've seen, you just, you can't go back into that small mindset. Your, your mind has been expanded and your spirit has been expanded and you can't, you can no longer accept that God just dwells in this little box. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't think they really understand where I'm coming from, but that's totally okay with me. Yeah. Okay. You've accepted <laughs> them even with their perspectives. Uh, all right. Last, last question. I want to get to practical stuff. Caleb Collins not only has produced this new album, Christmas Around the Keys, which is wonderful and people should certainly get a hold of, uh, but, but he has many other albums. Uh, as I mentioned, my favorite is Dream, uh, in which he has songs that he's written, songs that he sings, but also there's a, a last song on the album that's strictly him playing, uh, Magnificent Piano. My point is to the listeners around the country listening to Personally Speaking, Caleb Collins is a unique, special, insightful talent. He's come out with a new album. I'd like him to get that album into as many hands as possible. Tell us, Caleb, for our listeners, how do they find out more about you and about your music? Uh, they can go to calebcollins.com, uh, which has you know, basically an archive of everything I've done. Um, I also have a YouTube page, which I do have to tell you that my preferred way of listening to this new album, Christmas Around the Keys, I made a YouTube video of a fireplace and the whole album plays behind. So you can just put it on your, on your TV and it looks mm. like a fireplace and you can just kind of listen through the whole album. And I've found myself listening to that over and over because uh, I just love having it play in my home. Yeah, that's a so. great, great idea. Great way to share the holiday music around the uh, virtual fireplace. I want to yes. thank Caleb Collins for being with us again on Personally Speaking. I hope you'll get a hold of Christmas around the keys and all his music. I'm telling you, it's some of the best stuff out there. And I just thank Caleb for uh, his openness and conversation today and always a remarkable, wonderful, intelligent, kind-hearted man. We're delighted to have him on the show. Thanks, Caleb, for being with us. Thank you so much, Jim. As we end today's program, I want to thank all of you for being with us. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can send them to me through my website, which is www.CloseEncounterTV.com. All one word, CloseEncounterTV.com. To listen to our Personally Speaking podcast with some of our most recent shows, please go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, and Spotify. You can also listen to past episodes by going to www.ollmp.org. O-L-L-M-P.org. And you'll get not only recent shows, but also Monsignor Jim's weekly homilies. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. And thank you all so much for being with us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking. <laughs>